it's sort of like this question of cord cutters versus cord nevers. If you if you never had a radio like that, they're just not going to engage that way. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I've been thinking a lot lately about the future of media. Actually, I always think about the future of media because I am the media and I enjoy my main job as a television reporter. We'll get to the future of TV in a bit, but I started this week's conversation with media investor Todd Klein, partner at Revolution Growth, talking about TikTok. I can't stop looking at it, and I think I've got this figured out. You swipe for a while. You're like, no, no, no. And then something comes up that's interesting. And I think it's like a little slot machine. You, you kind of lose and you lose. And right when you think at the slot machine, all right, this is dumb. I'm going to do something else. You get a couple of quarters. I mean, you get a video that captures your attention. Yep. That's right. And, the, you know, and it's got an algorithm that's trying to figure that out as you do it. And it's measuring how quickly you swipe. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, it, it, it may know if you're getting closer, right? Um, you know, because if you if you do it immediately, it knows, okay, that's the wrong category. But if you watch a little bit and you say, ah, oh, no, oh, wait, 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 you know, I almost had him. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then it just gets smarter. Todd, I, I will tell you, I found out about this algorithm the, the most embarrassing way possible. And that is, I expressed some concern to my adult male children, my boys, that, um, gosh, there are an awful lot of dancing girls on TikTok. <laughs> and they said, Dad, yeah. it feeds you what you put Exactly. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you stop searching for those things, it might get less of them, I guess. No, well, I never I'm, searched I'm for them, but they pop I'm up joking. and I might have I might have paused, <laughs> yeah. you know, in my swiping. Right. Yeah, you, you might, know, you wish might I have looked said, a little boy. longer than, you know, on something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had said, boy, there are an awful lot of, you know, World War II history films on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, no, Nobel laureate speeches. There's so many of them. <laughs> it's like TED Talks. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of TED, TED Talks. Talks, really, on personal growth. It's awesome. I assume they made the time limit on these things very short uh, on purpose. It's just enough to be interesting, and it seems like they nailed the time. Yeah, yeah. And and they, I think they understood on the user-generated side, if they gave people more time— you know, the quality might not sustain itself because, you know, we're not talking about professional communicators, at least, you know, in, at writ large. Um, and so they figure, you know, give, give, give people enough time to get their message out there and, and then move on. 
Now, Todd is not invested in TikTok. He's invested in, among other things, Scopely, a mobile game publisher, Sport Radar, which sells data to sportscasters, and DraftKings, a sports betting app. Do you agree that we would consider that media? I think we do. I mean, it's entertainment. A- absolutely. There's sort of thesis behind it that I think is relevant to you know your audience. You have a, you have a great audience. It's a diverse audience, and some are interested in tech, and others aren't. But you know, I mean, as a framing discussion, when we talk about media, I think the image that comes to people's mind, you know, is a a, a film strip, right? Film or something like that. And I think what we would posit is when one thinks about media today and going forward, you shouldn't think about that film strip. What should come to your mind is software, right? Software, because even even media that is you know created and filmed on film becomes transposed into software and it becomes ones and zeros. And, and increasingly, you know, even things that are being created like on some of the gaming engines and the like um, is software. And so if we think about it that way, that's extensible. It kind of opens up the dialogue. And the companies you mentioned in our portfolio fit into that. What drew you to your investments? I mean, you don't have to go one by one unless you'd like to. But generally speaking, as a, as a bucket, what made these qualify as good investments? Well, you know, sort of half step back, being interested in media. You know, at the beginning of my career, one of the first things I ever worked on, believe it or not, was the sale of the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time today, Deion Sanders makes an appearance on offense for the Cowboys. So I was the young analyst calling 300 people around the world to try and convince them to buy America's team. And that exposed me to that world, the media world, sports and the like. And it's always been interesting to me ever since. Um, As you roll the tape forward and you look at the evolution of the space, generally the things that I think are compelling are, you know, opportunities that we see to take advantage of either data, um, infrastructure, uh, to make the you know these networks much more um, accessible and reduce the latency and the like, or or content, certain kinds of content, um, and sometimes you see you see opportunities that cover uh, multiple of those three sectors. Give me an example of of data. I mean, when I think of media, I think of media creation. You know, a Quentin Tarantino or an author of a book, that sort of thing. I don't think of the data. Sure. So uh, you mentioned Sport Radar. Sport Radar provides performance data worldwide in every sport you might imagine. And so, um, you know, whether you're uh, ESPN, you know, pulling up uh, information about a player or if you're looking to create fair odds um, relative to the outcome of games and other forms of competition, that's a, that's a data exercise to make sure that there is a level playing field. So, for example, if... And Curry finally misses a free throw. Excuse me, Jeff. You know, you've got a free throw shooter who's an 80% free throw shooter and suddenly, out of nowhere, starts shooting 40% in the playoffs. Something like that needs to get flagged, right? So that's a very extreme example. But, you know, as, as, as the information becomes more available and the use cases and the methods of engagement by fans expands to things like gaming and fantasy sports, the underlying accuracy and fairness of, 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 the, of the data that is being presented is relevant. We are 
presented with a, a tremendous amount of opportunity for that with people, you know, they're on their phones while watching television. I have a, a Comcast system in which I can hit a button and get, you know, data placed on the side of my uh, of my television monitor as I'm watching. Um, th there's a richness to all this that we would had never experienced before. Yes, and, and it gives you an opportunity to engage in a different way. The social part, I think, is new, right? So, the, you know, the, the old language was lean back, lean forward. And I think that's even passe now. You know, I myself, when I watch sports, for example, I'm also participating in the social aspects of it, whether it's, you know, fantasy sports or something else. And same thing on shows that people like. They may be watching a show, but could be, you know, simultaneously connecting with their friends, commenting on it or participating in live streams where you have the talent and a fan group interacting with one another. And so it's meant to immerse people further, you know, deepen their engagement. And, you know, from an economic standpoint, often these things are gateways to commerce opportunities. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Is there, a, is there a future in radio um, with Spotify and whatnot? I can be my own DJ. Uh, I think sports radio and news radio still have a place because people are interested in what's happening now or the discussion of their favorite sports team, that kind of thing. But I just do not see a future for music radio. So let's let's pick our terms. So do you mean terrestrial radio that people listen to in their car, or do you yes, mean streamed sort of radio? Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think as a medium, it uh, is is very challenged, and it is you know you know it is not likely to be the way that people receive their music and their podcasts and the like um, over time. I, I would so I would separate this notion of radio from the notion of audio, right? Audio that experience irrespective of the pathway that it gets you, I think is a burgeoning and compelling and exciting part of the, you know, the future media landscape. But ter classic terrestrial radio is simply a less efficient way to do it. You get less choice, et cetera. Um, and so it's unlikely, I think, uh, other than the most kind of niche circumstances to be, you know, the ongoing way people, you know, hear and listen to music and the like. We have arrived at Act Two of our program, Act Two, The Lady Vanishes. 
I had a thought the other day that there are probably still people out there who tune in at a certain time to listen to This American Life on the radio. And you think that I, I bet there's you know, probably not many, but who actually still do that. And and I think you're right. It's unlikely that it's, you know, uh, uh, you it's know, an 18 to 24 year old. But <laughs> no. but but, you know, there are people who do that because that's their routine and it's it's valuable. That experience is valuable to them. But it's sort of like this question of cord cutters versus cord nevers. If you if you never had a radio like that, which many of the, you know, the upcoming generation never even had a radio like that, they're not they're just not going to engage that way. You know what? There I'm I'm 53. I don't have a radio in my house. Um, right. I ran into that the other day. I can't remember what the situation was where it was like Oh, and so, I, I mean, obviously everyone has radio in their car, um, but, but yes, I, f I do not have a physical radio in, in my house. Right, and I'll, I'd be willing to bet you your parents did. Uh, I, you know, well, my parents still, my parents still do. Right, absolutely, right. And, and they listen. But again, it's to talk radio, so, so, so you've got that. So, what do we do with that spectrum? Do you suppose? I mean, if nobody's, if if there's no real cost benefit to broadcasting audio across a radio spectrum, what could we do with it? Well, I'm, I'm sure you know. There's many, many smart entrepreneurs who uh, who have ideas about that. But you know, some of that can be redeployed and extended for things like strengthening the first responder network, for other forms, you know, of potentially compressing some of those signals to add an internet capability to it. You could theoretically use it as a bridge in areas where the connectivity is harder to come by. You know, the, you know, if it, if it were opened up, I suspect, you know, you'd see a ton of innovation there. But obviously, historically, those are locked in relationships, licenses that the FCC controls and the like. Um, and until there's an opportunity for an open playing field, it's a little bit hard to speculate. But I would I would, you know, there was a decision prior to the Wi-Fi regs coming out. There was a discussion about whether that should be a regulated or an open spectrum. And ultimately, it was decided that spectrum should be open. And when that decision was made, you ended up with a ton of inf you know innovation around building you know those kinds of networks. I, and I suspect you would see the same thing here if the, if that greenfield was presented. As for television, you spoke uh, just very recently at the Future of Television conference. Now I didn't see the speech, but as a television reporter, I'm hoping you said the future of local television news is very bright with lots of money headed my way. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I could. <laughs> Um, you know, all the local advertisers, everybody was, was really pumped up. Um, uh, you look, I, here, what I would say about that is that there are, there are, there is content that is valuable, whether you, you know, describe it as, um, horizontally, you know, global in its scope or, or relevant because it's directed and localized. And there will always be value in localized information sharing, particularly if it's presented by someone who really is good, like you are, at synthesizing things and communicating them. There will always will be a place for that. Say, thank you for the compliment. I will also say that, that not only is local very important to people, just by definition being local, um, but it's hard to do. Yes. Uh, any number of startups have tried to do, well, we'll, we'll cover local news and things, yeah. not realizing it takes a tremendous number of people working an eight or 10 hour shift, you know, five days a week, uh, and if sometimes more than that, 
Uh, it's it's just and anyone who's who's ever started a podcast or a, a YouTube channel or whatnot realizes. Oh wait, media is really hard work. Oh, for sure. And you know, yes, the costs uh, have come down. Um, the tools to capture audio and video are um, more accessible and less expensive than they used to be. But but the process of planning it, uh, executing it. And then, you know, presenting it, customizing it, editing it, the post-production, that takes real legitimate talent and work. And there's there's no substitute kind of for the experience and elbow grease required to do so. So just because you and I might be able to, instead of having to haul around a huge camera the way one used to, you know, capture video on a DSLR that's super high quality, that has nothing to do with whether the content that's been captured is presented in a, you know, compelling and digestible way. There just isn't a substitute for it. As we talk about user-generated content, uh, you know, I mean, Twitter and Reddit and TikTok have taken off because people are able to create some very interesting ideas. Uh, I do note that you haven't tweeted anything since September, and that was a retweet. <laughs> uh, original, your last original content was July. Yep. <laughs> Not a Twitter fan um, or it, just it, a Twitter reader. So I, I do read Twitter and I do um, participate in it. But I have, you know, during this election cycle, being in D.C. and being so exposed to so many <laughs> different elements of it, I found it to be uh, a distraction. And I, and I found it to be, you know, a source of um, emotional triggering that I you know, felt no great compunction to expose myself to. <laughs> um, and, and I feel like, you know, uh, the argument about what the responsibilities are of the tech platforms is going to be, uh, you know, it, will, it has been and will continue to be an important um, conversation. And there's absolutely no consensus on it yet. So, uh, yes, I am, I am, you know, Jack Dorsey would be annoyed with me, um, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm willing to live with that. And the companies that you're investing in don't don't particularly use UGC. I mean, I, I suppose you could argue that DraftKings, you know, use, needs a user to, but but not in the sense of of user generated content. We have a few companies like, um, for example, Glowforge is a portfolio company, not necessarily in the media space, but they they do you know they make a product that is you know a, like a, a laser cutter product that that people use, and it's very um, Instagrammable and and um, YouTubeable, if that's a word. And our, our restaurant concepts tend to build their communities using you know many many of these tools, but I think you know. You bring up a, a broader question is sort of what is the evolution of these tools relative to brands? And to me, I just think there's a progression there that, you know, you will continually see increased usage of, of those things. But, you know, it's we're, we're on our journey there versus, you know, some companies are just further along than others. Section 230, want yes. to take a stab at describing that? You know, Section 230 that people talk about, right, is the, was a provision within the uh, Communications Decency Act of 1996 um, that dealt with this question of whether or not, uh, you know, information that appeared on a platform, um, you know, the, the, the platform which presented it could be held accountable for anything about that information, which was either determined to be fraudulent or, you know, had, had legal ramifications. And ultimately, the idea was um, that, that it would not be appropriate the way one thinks of the mail system. So that, like, if somebody sent you a piece of mail that uh, 
you know, had fraudulent information in it or said something nasty about somebody that turned out not to be true, you couldn't go sue the, the post office. Right. And, and so when people were putting together the Communications Decency Act of 96, they inserted this provision because they were concerned about things like that happening. There was a case involving Prodigy and the like. And, and so that was the kind of mantra. And then the question became over time, um, is that, you know, is the harm that comes from that position um, worth the principle of free speech that it is meant to support, number one. And number two, is it really true that whereas a post office, you wouldn't expect them to police every piece of mail that comes across our system, is it, is it really true that the tech platforms cannot police this? And so, th I, you know, all I would say, and I'm not in the, uh, in the legislative prediction business at all, um, even though I live in Washington, I, I, I try not to do that, but... Um, but I, 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 would, I would have a high degree of confidence that that issue will come up um, sooner rather than later. Um, it strikes me, though, that if the, the point of Section 230 is, you know, if I say uh, Todd Klein's a ding-dong on Facebook, Facebook isn't responsible. They had no part in it other than, you know, pushing it out to people. I'm responsible for saying it. If we put some of the responsibility on Facebook, uh, there are many who who say I'm being censored and let's get rid of Section 230. My thought is Facebook will censor more things, not fewer things. Yes, they all certainly would be incented to not expose themselves to that risk. But the question is, uh, you know, if they're if they're doing it in some form, whether you know whether it's in the United States in the political arena or is in other countries, you know, Google or Facebook or whomever, because the, the governments in those places demand it, if they're doing it, um, is it fair to give them a pass if, if harm is created in, in the instances where they choose not to exercise uh, that, that capability? That's, I think, the core, kind of the core conundrum here. Is there a boundary that people could agree is, is, a, sa is a safe boundary within which they are not accountable versus they are, if they are. What are you excited about in the future? What have you got your eye on? You know, we still see a tremendous amount of growth um, in in the gaming and in the sports arena and in the sort of intersection between that and uh, branding and esports and, 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 you know, many of these things that are part of the evolving nature of, uh, of what is considered broader entertainment. Um, we, 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 you know, we are interested in things that you might put in the kind of uh, content to commerce arena, so to say. So, um, you know, not, not that we're investors here, but if you, if you think about the decision by Lululemon to purchase Mirror, right? Mirror is an in-home device that you work out, but, but Lululemon is now in the business of creating media and videos and the like. And that is a, that is a channel into someone's home, a direct channel, which could be providing education, but it also could be uh, a cash register as well, providing nutrition and merchandise and, and other things. And so we're looking for a bunch of opportunities where content and commerce really intersect with each other. Last question for you is tell me what your favorite, uh, I think we're in the golden age of television right now. I just, it's, there is so much interesting and good stuff out there and, and I want your favorites and I'll, I'll, I'll start with mine and that is I've been watching Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which is extraordinarily well done. And then there's another one on Hulu, 11-22-63, which is a, a remake of a, a Stephen King book uh, that is just excellent. What, what are you watching? So that was unfair to, to go first and, and talk about the Queen's <laughs> Gambit. 
you know, I, just, I, I, I didn't thought describe I, I thought it. I you know, was the guest here, Scott. I've right, always right. seen you so generous and so gracious <laughs> to your guests. You go straight to Queen's Gambit. I mean, come that's on. My opening, that's my opening move. That is your opening move. That, that was Scott's Gambit. Okay. Um, gosh. Uh, you know, let me let me let me think. Well, sell sell people who haven't watched uh, Queen's Gambit on Queen's Gambit because uh, you know eleven twenty three sixty three is twenty two sixty three is is a time travel story and and people go oh no I'm not interested you know with history and people say no no I'm not interested and I try to sell them on it uh, <laughs> but but you know if you if you were to say hey there's a really great show about chess yes people, a lot of people would be uh, no I'm out yeah yeah you're gonna love it um, first of all. Sales element number one, it's a limited series. So you're not overcommitting yourself, right? Yeah, we're going back to that time thing we started out in, exactly. in the beginning. You know, limit the time. Limit the time and and give people some of their time back, right? Meet them where they are and give them some of their time back. So but but what's interesting about it is you you have a fish out of water story, you know, you know, women in chess. You're starting with that to begin with, and then you have a really compelling and deeply kind of mixed, you know, flawed character trying to succeed in this world. And that almost, you, so you have multiple opportunities to build compelling conflict in there. And the stakes become both, you know, chess matches and who wins and the emotional stakes associated with it. So, and, and it's beautifully acted. And the guy that wrote and directed Scott Frank is just an unbelievable, you know, you just can't go wrong with, with his work. So that's one of those things that, you know, you're kind of guaranteed, you know, to enjoy it. Todd Klein, partner at Revolution Growth. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.